Chapter Nine of the Diamond Pin by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, Iris in danger. Wearily, Iris went upstairs to her own room and closed the door. Then she opened it again, for the night was hot and stifling. Without turning on a light, she went and sat by an open window, leaning her arms on the sill and staring with unseeing gaze out into the night she was thinking about bannard and her thoughts were in a chaos not for a moment did she believe him guilty of his aunt's death but she could not help a conviction that he had been at pellbrook that sunday afternoon she wasted no time on the inexplicable mystery of the locked room for she reasoned whoever did kill mrs pell escaped afterward so that point had no bearing on winston's connection with the crime moreover she knew as she feared the police also knew that bannard was deeply in debt and as he had received the substantial check from his aunt and had banked the same it was all in a way circumstantial evidence that was strongly indicative roger downing had seen wynne around pellbrook about noon or he thought he had of that she was sure and roger's declaration that he would deny this was of little value for hughes would get it out of him she knew arrest wasn't conviction to be sure but iris resolutely put away her own growing suspicions of bannard she would stand by him even in the face of evidence or testimony she would and then she began to speculate as to the fortune those gems were hidden somewhere and without winston to help her how was she to look for them knowing ursula pell's tricky spirit the jewels might be in the most absurd and unexpected place crypt where was any crypt she inclined a little to the idea of its being in some church not in berrien for with all mrs pell's foolishness iris didn't think she would hide the treasure in any but a safe place and too the crypt might well be merely the vaults of some safe deposit company in chicago perhaps or new york it was maddening iris thought over the event since the day of her aunt's death the awful tragedy itself the mystery of the unknown assailant and his manner of escape the fearful scenes of the inquest the funeral and the police searching since and finally the arrest of bannard it seemed to iris she couldn't stand anything more and yet she realized it had but begun the mystery was as deep as ever the jewels were missing perhaps would never be found and winston's case looked very dark against him i must find the jewels iris mused as she had done a hundred times before and i must do it by my wits they are somewhere in safety of that i'm sure and too aunt ursula has left some hint some clue to their hiding-place if i'm to be of any help to win the first thing to do is to ferret out this matter then we may be better able to trace the her thoughts were interrupted by the sight of what seemed to her to be a shadow crossing the lawn below her the shrubbery was dense and the night dark but she discerned a faint semblance of a person skulking among the trees she sat motionless but the shadow faded and she could see nothing more of it concluding she had been mistaken she sighed and was about to draw the blinds and make a light when she was seized with a sudden spirit of nervous energy that impelled her to do something anything rather than go to bed where she knew she would only toss sleeplessly on the pillow silently not to disturb miss darrell she crossed the hall and went downstairs with only a vague notion of looking around she went into her aunt's sitting-room and flashed on a light it was the table-lamp that had been found broken on the floor at the time of the tragedy but that now replaced by a new electrolier gave a pleasant soft light coiling up the long green cord lest she trip on it iris sank into an easy-chair near the table restlessly she arose and walked about the room 
though familiar with every detail it looked strange to her as a room does when one is the sole occupant she opened the wall safe and stared into its emptiness she pulled open some drawers of a cabinet looked into a few boxes and with no definite purpose sat down at her aunt's desk disinterestedly she looked over some books and papers but she knew them all by heart she ran over some bundles of letters hoping to find a pencilled memorandum on the backs that had been hitherto unnoticed nothing met her eye that seemed important and she turned from the desk her glance falling on the cretonne window curtains that overhung the lighter lace ones come out she cried and then quickly no don't come out stay where you are who are you the curtain moved very slightly and iris rose and stood holding the back of her chair her heart was beating wildly for though possessed of average courage to be alone at midnight in a room of sinister memories and see the folds of a curtain sway ever so little is to say the least disturbing who are you i say she repeated angrily but there was no response and the curtain hung still a terror passed through her and left her shivering with an icy grip at her heart though not at all inclined toward a belief in the supernatural there was an uncanny feeling in the atmosphere and iris trembled with a strange weird feeling as of impending disaster she edged a step backward but as she did so the curtain was flung aside and a man stood disclosed a tall figure with strong muscular frame and arms extended in a threatening gesture not a word he whispered not a sound and the glint of a small revolver flashed toward her but she was too petrified with fear to speak for the man was masked and the effect of the black avised apparition took her breath away only for a moment however and then a wave of relief surged over her for alarming as a human intruder may be he is less frightful than a supernatural visitant the colour came back to her white cheeks and she said scornfully i am not afraid of you you'd better be then and the man moved nearer to her i've no wish to harm you but if you raise an alarm i shall consider my own safety first coward nonsense i don't mean before yours you've nothing to fear but if you're inclined to call help i'll have to make it impossible for you to do so the voice was that of an educated man but entirely unfamiliar to iris her terror left her as she realized that at least she hadn't to deal with a low-class uncouth ruffian why should i call help since you say i've nothing to fear she said trying to speak coolly but still watching the carefully held pistol nothing to fear if you do as i say and what do you say the masked figure came a little nearer i say he began but iris interrupted stay where you are i am not afraid of your pistol your voice tells me you would not shoot a defenceless woman but i command you to keep your distance my voice belies me then he returned coolly i'd shoot you quicker in a wink were it necessary to make my getaway but listen you will be immediately unmolested if you give me what i have come here to get i advise you to give it willingly but if not then i must get it as best i can take off your mask won't you and iris's tone was almost formal i know you don't i you do not and something tells me you never will pardon me if i retain my protecting decoration scarcely a decoration murmured iris who was striving to think quickly what to do thank you that implies your belief in a fair share of good looks on my part but that's a matter of no moment and time passes i am here to ask you for a matter of no great moment after all i want the pin that your late aunt left you in her will oh then you are william ashton careful not so loud 
yes i am none other than he a mock dramatic gesture accompanied the phrase and iris involuntarily smiled you are charming when you smile the visitor went on i may say that since i am not making a social call you seem to be i think iris interrupted him far from it you are under a distinct misapprehension but alas your smiles and charms are not the prize i am seeking i want that pin for the first time he spoke a little roughly and i am going to have it what under the heavens do you want of that pin exclaimed iris surprised beyond all thought of fear she had at first supposed he was after the jewels or money at least never mind what for are you going to hand it over i suppose you are making a collection of dramatic trifles like mr pollock it seems to be a popular pursuit this gathering material for a miniature junk shop so well are you going to give it to me why didn't you put it on the gate-post to-night for the very good reason that i haven't got it don't talk that useless chatter of course you have it but i haven't i threw it away when the lawyer gave it to me and no you didn't you only pretended to come now where is it will you go away if i give it to you iris was struck with an idea if you give me your word of honour that you're giving me the right one this dissuaded her for she had intended to give him one from her belt ribbon i tell you i don't know where it is now cease this useless interview please and leave me i'll do nothing of the sort you know where that pin is and i am sure it's hidden in this room how utterly absurd you are why why do you want it i believe you're crazy i'm not as you'll find out but i intend to have the pin so make up your mind to that he sprang toward her laying his automatic on a table and with a single gesture it seemed to iris he had a soft silk handkerchief tied over her mouth and around her head in such a fashion that she couldn't utter a sound i'm sorry as i told you he went on in a business-like voice but i must obtain that little piece of property will you change your mind and tell me where it is iris shook her head vigorously meaning that she did not know where it was but he chose to think she meant a mere negative then i'll make you and he took hold of her arm and twisted it she moaned with pain but he picked up the revolver and threatened her iris was now really frightened and realized that his gentler mood had passed and she was in desperate danger she cast appealing glances at him but he was oblivious to her piteous eyes and demanded the pin suddenly the thought came to her that the man was crazy really a maniac and in view of this she determined to use her wits to extricate herself from this dangerous situation if demented he might shoot her as likely as not and she thought deeply and carefully what it was best to do he was distinctly clever as she had heard maniacs often are so she dared not fool him too openly therefore she acted rather defiantly until as she had hoped this attitude on her part brought a rough hard twist of her slender arm that really brought the tears to her eyes with a limp gesture of surrender she nodded her head at him while pain contorted her face sorry he said again but there's no other way does that mean you're going to give me the pin iris nodded acquiescence and he stipulated the real one again she nodded salving her conscience by the thought that her falsehood was told in self-defence where is it no you needn't speak yet indicate where it is and i'll get it iris nodded her head toward the desk and the man went to it 
he ran his fingers lightly over the various compartments watching her the while and as he touched one she nodded she had remembered a small packet of papers pinned with an old and somewhat rusty pin and she determined to pass this pin off on him if she could make herself dramatically convincing i've always thought i could be an actress the poor child said to herself now's my time to make good so by dint of indicative nods and glances she easily made her visitor discover the packet and the pin the papers were valueless and the pin which held a paper band round them was an ordinary dull old-looking one it was iris's clever play of her eyes and her hands that betokened a great unwillingness to part with it but did so under duress that succeeded in making the thief believe it was the pin he was after he scrutinized the papers and threw them aside a good hiding-place he said putting the papers back where they had been as obvious as poe's purloined letter i don't ask you if this is the pin for your speaking countenance has told me it is i only bid you a very good evening he rose quickly and without a further glance at iris he turned off the electric light on the table and she heard him step softly through the living-room and out of one of the low windows that gave on to the veranda she sat where he had left her not really in pain but in some discomfort then lifting her hands she managed to untie the handkerchief gag it wasn't difficult though the tight knot took a few moments to loosen she was tempted to turn on the light and look at the silk handkerchief still in her hand but she feared her visitor might discover the fraud and return she crept softly into the living-room closed and locked the window through which she had heard him go and wondered whether it had been left unfastened or he had forced the catch but that could wait till morning she locked the living-room door on the hall side for further safety and returned to her room determined to have additional bolts and bars attached here and there the next day then she remembered the house was not hers and though she might suggest she could not dictate hours she lay thinking it all over in the security of her own room she felt no fear and the dawn had begun to show before she slept he's a crazy man she told herself finally just as at last slumber came to her but it's queer that the same mania attacked two people at the same time next day she told lucille darrell the story no i don't think he was crazy miss darrell said i think he's an agent of that other man and they wanted to find out if you had given the first man the right pin you see when you made the second man what's his name ashton yes and the first was pollock well when pollock doubted that you'd given him the right pin he sent ashton to find out and then when you were so clever as to fool ashton so fully he thought you had been frightened into it at last but what do they want the pin for just as pollock said to add to a collection of such things you know that dime and pin joke is in all the papers everybody knows about it but why so desperately anxious to get the very one if they did have another nobody would ever be the wiser not unless you withheld the real one and then gave it or sold it to somebody else later that would make pollock's pin a fraud now he's sure he has the very pin well of all rubbish but you're right i suppose friend ashton went to the gatepost and not finding it there he hovered around the house hoping to get in and hunt for himself just that and he did get in i'm not sure he wouldn't have taken something more valuable than the pin if you hadn't caught him i don't know he didn't seem at all like an ordinary thief now i'm going to see if polly knows anything about the real pin 
it was nearly time for the sunday dinner and iris going to the kitchen found the old cook busy with her preparations oh don't bother me about that now miss iris polly said i've got her set this custard behave yourself polly it won't hurt your old custard to take one minute to answer my question did you take a pin out of the underside of agnes's pincushion come outside here and the cook drew iris out to the kitchen porch now she whispered don't you talk so free about that pin yes miss iris i got it and you can be mighty glad that's a valuable pin that is and don't you forget it valuable how and where is it well you know mrs pell she set great store by that pin many's the time when she's been goin to new york or somewhere she's said to me polly you keep this safe till i get home and she'd hand me that self-same pin and would i guard it well wouldn't i but why why polly did she set such store by it it was her luck miss iris luck fiddlesticks aunt ursula wasn't a fool if she'd kept that pin for luck she'd have stuck it away and left it alone now you know there's no telling what mrs pell would do anybody else might have done this or that but there's no use saying she would she was a law unto herself but anyway that pin's valuable and it don't matter for what reason so i got it away from agnes who hasn't a mite of right to it and saved it for you why miss iris didn't your aunt time and again say she was goin to leave you a valuable pin her little joke was neither here nor there she said she'd leave you a valuable pin and she did you're crazy too polly well give me the pin let me see if i can discover its great value perhaps if i rub it a slave of the pin will appear to grant my wishes here it is miss iris and polly drew a pin from her bodice but for the land's sake be careful of it do now i will honest i will and iris smiled as she took the common pin from the trembling fingers of the old woman let me keep it for you miss iris dear won't you maybe i will later polly i'll enjoy my valuable possession a while myself first iris went around the lawn toward the side door of the house as she went she looked curiously at the pin and then stuck it carefully in her shirt-waist frill as she neared the side door she noticed a small motor-car standing there it was empty and even as she looked someone came up stealthily behind her threw a thick dark cloth over her head picked her up and lifted her into the little car and drove rapidly away she tried to scream but a hand was held tightly over her mouth and try as she would she could make no sound she felt the familiar curve as they drove through the gateway and turned off on the road that led away from the village and iris realized she was being kidnapped End of chapter nine